They still write poems about you, you know? He looked at me strangely. Why? I shrugged. You were a tragedy. People love to dwell on those. He smiled to himself. There's nothing tragic about grasping what you want, even if it's only for a moment. The Flight of Icarus. Oh, yeah. That was also uh, the block press from the MDL people. <laughs> that is the one. Do you remember House. that? I do. It sits in the fucking soul. <laughs> What's going on, guys? This is MDLP. This is episode 37. 37. It's a Blitzkrieg episode. I'm here with my handsome Baron of the North podcast co-host, Johnny Banks. What's up, everyone? Welcome back. Uh, okay. Full, full, uh, full truth, right? <laughs> full truth here. <laughs> I'm late. Uh, <laughs> I thought this stupid podcast was supposed to be at 8 p.m. And uh, it's at 12. And we rushed over from West Kendall in a 2001 Cherokee. And when I tell you that I pushed the limits of life, <laughs> I flew into the sun. Or also, as we like to refer to it here in Miami, is 8.36. <laughs> and it is dangerous. Uh, 8 p.m. can be any time of day if you drink hard enough. <laughs> and here we are. Cheers to our sponsor, Jameson. Um Again, guys, like we always do, we start every episode, no matter how long we take, to all the people that support us, our sponsors, our friends, and our family. First and foremost, of course, to the BV305 uh, villains here in Miami that are making fucking waves, man. God, we can have a whole episode. Maybe we will. Maybe we will. Um, about how far this come from the episode, I think, five. Um, so let's put that in there. Of course, Med CBD and Cerberus USA. Cerberus USA with all the strength accessories. Thank you very much. You guys are awesome to me and my people. And, of course, uh, the Battle Axe Gym and mm. the Battle Axe Clan and the family that continues to support us and all over the world. So thank you for that, guys. This episode, um, obviously, it's going to be a little bit shorter than most. But regardless, I think it's just going to have more density and quality. Kind of like an MDLP in one episode. Um, I think this is like the 231 of all episodes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know if you've seen us, but we're pretty dense. We are fucking dense. These in a lot chairs of ways. definitely creak in horrible ways. <laughs> Um, support these dancers hips nothing like an afternoon bottle of jameson we have a photographer here today ray yeah who's the man we will tag him on the post and the episode he's the one been recently be doing my reels as well that are fucking coming out cool in-house one of the bv boys we always keep shit in-house because we all like to succeed in that shit yeah um so today the topic was interesting to me and i'll tell you why um this is nothing that's new to the episodes there's nothing new to our philosophy or anything like that, but something that I think maybe has been sitting a little bit heavier in our minds. Um, as you know, we started, the, we hit the ground running uh, in 2022. Yeah. Did a lot of projects. Um, and I also believe that no year is easier than the other. That's a bunch of perspective. This year has been a, a trying year on so many fucking levels. And I'll be honest with you, on a personal level, this has been a very rough <laughs> set of weeks. Mm. Um and I'll explain that later. Uh, please remind me to to bring that up, John, why I run so rampant before April 8th. And um, I think that there's something to be said about how far one has to push, whether you are a leader or not, um, and how far one has to train and the feelings of isolation that you may feel and the perspective of that when you will get into leadership positions or the isolation of success and hard work. Mm. And how that over time, not only in strength training, but also the way it reflects upon life, can really, really start to feel like quicksand if you don't change perspective or if we don't provide tools. I think it's important on this episode that we not only identify what this feels like, but maybe some ideas and tips from two motherfuckers that have been in there for sure. <laughs> and maybe a lot of you, honestly, if we had a live studio audience, this would be like we'd take Q&As from the audience. But these are opinion-based, of course, and experience and life-based, but I hope that we can provide a little bit of a, hey, I know what it fucking feels like, and this is what we and I do, not only in strength training, which will provide at least some concepts of it, but also how that reflects upon life. Yeah, so, um, man, you, <laughs> thanks. Right? And fucking never come late again because you just blitzkrieged me. <laughs> I just fucking went after it, man. Yeah, so let's just dive right into leadership, let's do it. right? Let's, uh, let's, let's get into, so... One of the things that I wanted to talk to you about, um, and again, not uh, a new concept to us, but some things that maybe our philosophy grows as we grow. Um, but getting to your, your psych uh, background, from a psychological perspective, what are some common personality traits that you find in leadership roles, strictly from a psychology standpoint? 
You know what's interesting? Um, had you said that 10 years, 15 years ago, I probably would have been a little bit more one-sided. I would have said somebody that's uh, outgoing, charismatic, uh, communicative, um, um, uh, not only ambitious, but assertive. Um, yeah. These qualities may be the base level. And I think that there are some characteristics that are common. Um, or it's a very common concept amongst leadership as far as the roots. How they're expressed, I think, can be different. For example, assertiveness. In my example, personal example, my assertive, assertiveness is typically outgoing. It's extroverted. I am telling you what to do. I'm showing you what to do in the sense of verbalizing. I'm very communicative. I feel like I'm emotionally and physically articulated, articulative. That work. That's what does that yeah, even come on? Science. As far as being articulation, did I just fuck my? I don't want to nah, talk about this anymore. On. But um, these are things that are very out there, right? And I just recently uh, spoke about one of my guys, Vinny, um, and how he's assertive in a quiet way. Oh yeah, right. So if you ex- if you express yourself and your your assertiveness through stoicism, through example, but not saying much, these are two assertive people expressing leaderships in two different ways, right? Mm-hmm. Ambition. There's those who are ambitious. A, me. When I'm ambitious, you will know because I'm <laughs> fucking telling you. I'm showing you what I'm doing because that motivates me. It puts yeah. a fire under my ass. It, it pressures me to, to, to say it out loud correct. And there's some people that merely stay quiet about it. And piece by piece, you're just seeing this person come up quietly and reserved. But again, leadership positions, they just do the job correctly and people follow, right? Mm. Um, from a psychological perspective, yeah, there's always going to be that concept. Um, you can still be a person, for example, that uh, is always going to consist of servitude. And I believe, and I've always said that, that that's a very small pocket of people that understand that leadership is servitude. Typically, people think leadership could be just trying to get everyone to do what you want to do. But on the contrary, you are actually a servant to the others. And mm-hmm. that can be expressed in all sorts of capacities. Um, so no, you know, I don't. I think there's some baselines for that. Yeah. Um, obviously, uh, patience is massive for leadership, <laughs> and whether you like it or not, whether you like it or not. And then look, there's there's just different ways of expressing patience. Yeah, you know, and it, it's something that I believe comes through time and experience and how people perceive that in a leadership role rather than a burden. Sometimes it's a gift that you've been forced to be patient, whether it's with someone or somebody you care about. And um, I believe that the baseline for leadership is also the baseline for other aspects of life, whether it's, you know, being second in command or servitude, you yeah. know, it should still be ambitious and express it differently and kind of know your role. Servitude really reminds me of one of my favorite quotes by you, which is, I've stood on the shoulders of giants and I've also tied their the shoes, shoes, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> That's like one of my one. favorite ones. You know, thank you. Did I, somebody, I have this, uh, like, this addiction addiction to like getting quotes and then making them my own you know <laughs> yeah. and i'm like yeah i've stood on the shoulder of giants but only because i've tied their shoes yeah and yeah thank you that's one of my favorite ones because yeah you gotta eat your shit sandwich you know and i wouldn't dare to climb on somebody's shoulder unless i knew what it was to fucking be down in the know? mud not to be biblical or whatever but you know jesus washed the people's shoes uh, feet yeah, that's that's true. That's not even that's actually what he did. That's to the show one humility. thing that's fact. And in, in the Bible is like, yo, you that's a feet? fact. <laughs> yeah, you want to watch some feet? <laughs> Jesus, bro. And here we are. Bam, foot fetish. And that's humility, bro. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking. I'm so sorry, Jesus. Yeah. Oh, only original only fans washing feet. <laughs> Blitz, episode Blitzkrieg. Why have we done this? I don't know. We should have just stayed home. <laughs> okay. All right, so let's talk about you. Let's talk specifically uh, about, I know shit. you love this part. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, also no. That's exactly what my life is. Um, let's talk about some of the things that you will say uh, define you as a leader. Whoa. I know, tough. Bastard. I also openly did not look at the email of the format of the show. <laughs> so hard to do when you're speeding down the eight thirty six right into the sun. Um shit. Aspects of my leadership I've been forged through a lot of mistakes and a lot of shortcomings. I had a conversation recently <laughs> that they there is I think one of my strengths is my ability to identify how absolutely terrible I can be at a lot of things and not denying it um, and rather learning to manage it. 
Um, I am a person originally and in my core that lacks patience. I lack compassion. I have a massive temper. I am a person that believes in execution. I hate emotions. I like finishing things. I believe the end will always justify the means. This is who I am deep down inside to my core. That doesn't necessarily make me that person, but it certainly is a part of it, right? You know, when you have an apple and you bite into a seed, the seed does not define the apple, but it certainly is there. Mm. And by identifying these things, I realized that I would hate to be led by a person like that. (laughs) And there was a time where I was too small and too young and too scared and my self-esteem was too weak to adjust to these things. And my biggest strength, maybe my only strength, is that I never, ever stop working on that. And it's been, <laughs> on a personal level, it's been a lifelong struggle, and I hope it never goes away. But on as a leadership perspective, I realize that by putting myself in this position, I'll have to challenge my patience and my temper and my compassion And if there's any trait that I would adjust or tell a leader to be is to identify who you are first and the monster you can be so that no one you lead becomes like you. And I always say this, something my cousin says, the best leaders are the ones that never wanted to be there in the first place. And it's just true because I've always wanted to be Starscream. (laughs) Like I like number two. Yeah. You know, because you're the cool guy. Raphael. Yeah. You're the cool guy. You're the troublemaker. You're the guy that goes at the bar and gets the chicks and wears the cool clothes. And then the leader, like Leonardo, is fucking lonely because he has to make those decisions that make everyone cringe. And he has to bite the bullet. And he has to take the blame. And I hated that as a person. I Wolverine. Wolverine's not a leader. Yeah. He's not. He's not the Cyclops. And you know what's funny? And let's speak nerd here. I fucking hated Cyclops my whole life. I'm like, Jean Grey is Wolverine's like pussy what a piece of shit and then i turned fucking in my late 30s i became a leader i go damn dog cyclops had it rough scott summers man i'm sorry dog like i'm gonna write you a le- i'm gonna say that like i'm gonna write you a letter of apology son because it's easy to be wolverine mm-hmm. it's easy for a person like me and us to identify with somebody that wants to set the world on fire yeah and by identifying that trait and realizing that that is not what leaders are made of that's my only and best trait. And in that aspect, it's umbrella things like you can say in many aspects that I am patient, mm. that I am understanding. And it's only because I know what it feels like to be on the opposite side of that. I know the monster I can be. I know the like being an athlete or being a wild animal. Yeah. And that's really something I've adhered to uh, on a personal level. And, you know, sometimes a monster fucking wins. Even on a leadership, when I tell the whole gym to fuck off and everyone literally shits themselves and there's the most uncomfortable two hours of training in the world because I'm waiting for somebody to piss me off. <laughs> and then there's some days where, you know, I literally have to have six lifelong conversations about like personal issues of life and yeah. they literally tear me to pieces. And then I go home and drink myself away or something like that or just play Elden Ring because I am <laughs> tarnished. Hey, aren't we all, brother? Yeah. Uh, you know, what's funny is that that's a big conversation that I had um when I first started getting into strength training and everybody, uh, you know, saw our relationship grow and develop and they're like, well, how come Mike doesn't train you? And I was, I was like, I don't know if like our personalities would work mm-hmm. right now. And I always said it is something that I want eventually. I said, but I don't know if it would work right away. And then over time, as our relationship built and kind of melted into one, it was like, yeah, this is the only option now. <laughs> <laughs> it, and I believe that's indicative of life. Yeah. If you let life take its course, um, you will eventually find your place with those who have always been there. Destiny has a way of putting people together when they belong together. Mm. Write that down. I still have kind of for the, from the Witcher-ish, but... <laughs> nah, come on. Yeah, what, Witcher, I mean, that's I feel, not even... I'm basically playing a Witcher in Elden Ring, so I feel <laughs> like I belong. Yeah, you know, I may not have hair, but I can fight. You yeah, know, so need some yellow contact. <laughs> but yeah, fuck. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I think that there's the destiny has a way of finding itself. And again, I'm not reaching into the meta metaphysical here. I'm not reaching into the concept. I, I always define destiny as life experience. I just rather say destiny than it is what it is. I rather use words that have a romance to it because 
it's just better. It articulates better. It feels. It hits harder than me saying, yeah, man, life sucks. I go, ah, it's just destiny. Mm. And I believe that words and semantics carry weight. This is why we have a fucking podcast. You know, this guy... Maybe he's a witcher, or maybe he's the bard. <laughs> Damn it. Maybe he is. A ward? Can I be a witcher bard? Witch bard? Yeah. Uh, so we talked about how you've expanded on your leadership qualities um, just now, but what do you think in your leadership role comes across as the greatest gift of leadership? What is something you could give me uh, a concept and then maybe a moment where you're like, this is why I do this now? Um, sure. And I think leadership allows you to learn the complex, well, the complexities of selflessness. Um, I believe that this is my concept. When you lead others, uh, it's different than anything else. You know, it's not, uh, it's not family. It's not parenthood. It's not work. You know, these people chose you for some particular thing that you provide. And there is a feeling of selflessness where you will give to somebody who was not born in the same house or of the same genetic pool or share uh, paychecks with you or depend on you in any capacity. Mm -hmm. And you decide to dis develop this relationship that makes you feel like this human being's happiness, well-being, performance, and perspective matters more sometimes than your own. And there is something to be said about two people who were born complete strangers for many, many years, sometimes decades, suddenly belong together. And it's, it's fascinating, the human concept of this. I mean, can you express this under any other way other than romantically fascinating? I'm, just, I'm not talking man, woman, man, man. I'm talking about two human beings that had nothing to do together with each other for fucking decades are suddenly now intertwined in their own lives in a way where one to the other feels selfless that their needs at one point like for example in training and competing mm. like there comes moments where i i would rather get hurt physically in any capacity than any of my lifters i might tear my acl tear my foot i'm good dog and i i've been under the knife three times <laughs> come after me yeah and i say that with full genuine capacity and that selflessness is an example of when you finally see your lifter come to fruition. Mm. When you see courage in their eyes, when you see purpose in theirs, you find your own. And I kiss I don't I don't have a child, but I can akin to this like when your kid finds something that means it's something so important to them, you feel like this is your purpose. Yeah. It could be from a ball of clay to the career, like being a lawyer or whatever. I, I don't have to have a kid to conceptualize. I can only imagine the depth of that emotional feeling. But that being said, I have felt purpose by finding the purpose of my lifters in their eyes. And I've seen it in competitions. I've seen it after deadlifts. I've seen it after injuries. I've seen it after comebacks. I've seen it on the precipice of complete and utter failure when life is absolutely knocking on their door to completely collapse their capability of functioning. I've seen them overcome that, and I can see it in their eyes like, dude, I made it. And I'm like, no, I made it. Like, thank you for allowing me to be a part of this. And selflessness leads to purpose. Mm. And there is something to be said about that. It is pain penance. You know, people will ask me consistently, like, why do you do this? And I was like, well, I fucking have to. And, you know, it's it's something you don't clock out from, and it's something that is the ever-giving tree of concept and knowledge. It's like you have to do it. And if I believe leadership has taught me anything, or at least has forced it upon me, is selflessness, and yeah. which has brought purpose into my life, which is really difficult when you're extremely self-destructive because purpose means you have to wake up in the morning <laughs> right yeah. it means you have to show up on time Ugh. and it means you have to uh be there for people and more importantly it means you have to be loved which ugh, it, it means you that people care about you and you have to kind of go this is true and you have <laughs> to say you can't deny it it makes you want to puke march and 6th ex 2022 exactly disgusting Disg you 
like a 40 of us out I, there. Bro, I didn't even think I had that many friends. You know, I almost ruined that like four times. You're, we're talking about John's birth, the surprise birthday party. <laughs> I almost told you the day before, hey, man, I'll see you later. You uh, know, like what an idiot. I had a feeling, but I also did like I was like worried that like, oh, my God, there's going to be people there, more people than I would expect to be there. Yeah, and but then I'm like going to have this incredible anxiety. Nah. But off it. topic, on topic, that fucking mallet game nah man what bullshit i told you dog strength athletes all of us listen every year those fucking carnies and these gypsies their little hands they they with their little small hands they go in there and they turn a couple knobs because i've hit it every year Mm. and i told the guy i go what did you guys do this year to it they're like no it's a little difficult and i hit it once i go you fucked with it didn't you but like no i'm like dog look at us Like, come on. There's nobody under fucking You, me, and JMO did not hit that. Like, come on, dog. We can kill a fucking rhino with that hammer. <laughs> a little, I'm still a little mad about I that. Know, I know. I want to go back. Yes, I want to go back at the end of the month and, like, actually hit the guy, not the fucking thing. Like, huh? How about that, Papa? Oh, did, yeah? didn't think yeah. I'd fucking do it. You're a gypsy hands now, kid. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, just put, I just put fucking bunch of points into vigor, dog. My <laughs> HP is high, son. You don't know what I've been through. I wish you guys understood any of this. Somebody has to know. <laughs> so, um, we obviously we talked about leadership, and it's it's you know how you expand on the qualities and the gift of leadership. What would you say is the number one greatest peril of leadership? Loneliness, mm. and I believe that that will change the pace of things. I think that leadership is the loneliest thing on the planet. I wish I wish it wasn't true, and I and I believe that this is um, conceptually one of the most uh, polarized comments I will ever make because I don't be I don't like to be polarized for the sense of po- be, you know being different for the sense of likes or whatever. I really don't actually. I grew up in a strict Colombian household, so being too different was like weird. Mm. But lo- uh, but the loneliness of leadership comes from a place where to make the decisions to help others will always set you apart because you are eating at your own dinner table with your friends, but ultimately you have to clean up the plates. And you're the one washing the plates and cleaning the table and that clitter clatter of forks and plates. It's you by yourself at the end of the night and your friends are home and they're making decisions and they're going off in groups, you know, because in leadership, you see them, (laughs) you see them going off and their friends and their things because ultimately nobody hangs out with the chef. And that is the most lonely feeling in the world. Mm -hmm. Everyone enjoys the meal. Everyone laughs with you. They shake your hand. They listen to you. They, they want to be a part of your world, but ultimately the cri- the clock strikes 12 and you have to clean up. And I akin that to like farming too. Somebody I was asked in this mentorship program um, with Pat Davidson and he asked me, he goes, does anybody know any other, because he was comparing it to something. He's like, does anybody know in the fitness community, any other profession that relates to uh, training and being a personal trainer? I said, oh, well, I have one. I said, farming. I said, ultimately, farming, I've always said this many, many years and many, many times. I go, mm-hmm. being a farmer, you may not like what you sow and plant, but farming is everything. Like for us, helping is everything. Yeah. We may not like the person we're helping. We may not like the exercises that they're doing, but helping is everything. But the farmer farms alone. He may have staff. He may have help, but ultimately, it's a lonely profession. And I akin that to leadership because that soil, that work, that sweat, that muck, and that mire, and when you get at home and you're wiping all that shit off, you're ultimately alone. And I think that that's always going to be the hardest part of leadership, which akins itself to something like, because I think being a leader is hard work. And I don't think you have to be a leader to feel lonely. And I will parallel it with when you want to work hard you will find your moment, your moments of isolation. When you want to be something and be successful, you are going to find that the pinnacle feels very fucking lonely. 
So if I had to say that there's any kind of unspoken concept of leadership and hard work, it's loneliness. And I'll, I'll, I'll akin this to why it's important. For example, Miami's baddest is April 2nd. And we are doing a bunch of amazing things. We're raising awareness for autism. We're going to work with Algron's Coffee and, you know, help sponsor two autistic children, uh, not children, uh, people that work with her. And we're going to raise a bunch of money. There's going to be 72 people and all this concept. And, you know, it's this great thing. But as an athlete and as a person that's hosting the show, it's like there's so much that goes involved with this that you wonder sometimes is any other person feeling what you're feeling? Is there anyone else that is putting the same work, cooking the same meals, cutting the same weight? Does anybody feel the same knee pain that you're feeling? Does anyone feel the same heartache that you're feeling? And you get consumed by it because the weight of the top lacks oxygen. The weight of the top lacks perspective. You get dizzy. You, can look, you can't look down, right? Because you fall. You look up. And up, up is small and pointy and lonely. You're looking into the sun. You're blinded, right? You're climbing up or we used to say digging down. But digging down into dirt is dark. And looking up into the sun is too bright. And if I had to say anything about that concept, the, the most unspoken thing of, of success and working hard is the facade of loneliness. Mm. Because I'll tell you what, John, I really wanted to speak on this concept because I used to really adhere to the fact that when you have to succeed or you have to be a leader and you have to be ambitious, that the only way to be is lonely. And that's the only way. And, that, you know, training alone, eating alone, I agree. To an extent, right? Because this perspective. How did you get there? Why are you even going to the top? What's your fucking why? Can't be that lonely, I promise you. 99% of the motherfuckers, ah, oh, man, you know, just me, man, lone wolf. I'm like, trust me, dog, I got a hat that I wore for like 15 years that says lone wolf. That's a bunch of bullshit. Yeah. You know, it's important. But what's your why, right? Why do you want to compete? I just want, I want to, oh, I want to win. I go, no, no, no. You want to be somebody to someone. <laughs> why do you want to, why do you want to pay rent, dog? Because you got somebody to pay rent for. Why do you got to wake up in the morning? Because somebody wants you to wake up in the fucking morning. But you can't see that on the way up, right? You can't see that when you're, quote unquote, grinding and cooking and training and you're in pain and you're alone and you're driving home and you think i'm the only one that drives home alone it's like i can drive in a car with 16 motherfuckers dog and i am alone and i used to say this years ago dude i call it social loan like social loan wolf this is, bro, i've been saying this is fucking early college dude i'm 37 now so like what 16 years i could be in a room full of people and I am the, the the king of the castle, bro. It's Miami's baddest. And I, everyone's like, Mike, Mike, Mike. And I can be the loneliest person on that on that planet. Yeah. Because of my perspective. Not because it's so. You'll see on that day. Like, I'm like, hey, man, thank you. Thank you. Because I'm consumed by seeing myself on this climb by myself. And then when I finally settle and I see guys succeed, I see the handshakes, I see the tears, the family, I go, oh, I'm, not, I'm only alone because I'm not seeing it anymore. I Look what I'm looking at here. Yeah. So the the pursuit of the goal kind of reels in the loneliness of that. The pursuit of the goal is lonely. The identification of the goal is everything. Fuck. Pursuit is lonely. Pursuit of anything, dude. You want to be good at your job? No one's going to like you, dude. You make a bunch of sales, John? <laughs> Fuck that guy. Oh, look at that show off. Look at him kissing ass. It's pursuit. That's ambition. It's all the some things of uh, uh, parts of such a leadership. Yeah. But the goal is what? To be a better person. To make money to help my family. To show these guys that you can do it. I mean, we're looking at the major focus. Of course, there's outliers out there that are fucking pieces of shit. <laughs> Only want to make money. For I get it. But that's a small percentage. I'm not going to waste my time on the two dislikes over the million likes, right? Yeah. 
what are you pursuing for? Is it really that lonely when you have someone and something to fight for? Is the why ever a lonely concept? Because the how is lonely? Never. And I, I would have told you four or five years ago, you're a fucking pussy. I would have been like, it's all fucking lonely. And you got to... Okay. Y- yes. Your pursuit can be lonely. But your why doesn't have to be. Mm. And I... And I I couldn't help but feel that as I see all these guys training for Miami's baddest. And it makes me feel, I'll put it into perspective for you, Johnny. Year one of Miami's baddest, I was completely alone in all my endeavors. I went in there like a blind sack of shit. I don't know who was going to coach what and who was going to uh, judge this. And the, I don't know how to fucking do a, a, a point system. I, we had a fucking shitty laptop with a broken... I was alone and I thought no one understands what the fuck I'm doing like this is my trip and this was now seven because we missed uh, 2020 it felt so lonely because my perspective was like hey man this is my show I had some help but look at me and look what I'm doing I go now we're on number six and I don't think I can say I about anything nothing not nothing from a two and a half pound plate to the fucking trophies and money being given what am I going to say now? And if you look at an athlete, because I've been there, there's moments of isolation and you isolate yourself so you can gather perspective. Yeah. But no way. Because there's nothing better than that person or those persons that greet you after you have done good or bad. And that is something that I, I see these guys training and I can see that it's good. It's good for them. That lone wolf, you know, <laughs> dangerous kind of chip on their shoulder. And, and I, of course, I know what that feels like and I yearn it. And I don't want to take it from them because that's a tool. Yeah. But it's important to talk about these things because it's very easy to fall into that quicksand of thinking that you're the only one that has ever felt that in the whole fucking city. We're not even going in to stab each other. Like, imagine if we're going to, hey, tomorrow you and me, we're going to cross, we're going to run across that hill and we're going to die. Now, even though we can that. use that psychology, right? Yeah. Um, it's different. And I, I really wanted to bring that up and I wanted to talk about it because I'm living it. You know, <laughs> you get out of surgery, dude, and you have never felt lonely in your life. Uh-huh. Know about that. You are the most emasculated, smallest, weakest. I don't care if you get a fucking finger or a whole arm, dude. Yep. And you're lonely. And you can be with 16 people or none. You're like, nobody fucking gets this. I'm alone. What an idiot. I'm the only one. But are you? Why do you want to get better? It's not just you. Yeah. And these, I think these things are important to discuss to people. I think it's important to give people points of action. You know, your how can be lonely, but that doesn't mean your why has to be lonely. Just like you can be disciplined, but you don't have to let go of motivation. You could be motivated, but you don't have to diminish your discipline. These are tools in the process of moving forward, both as an athlete, as a person, as an individual, as a business owner, as a, as a fucking father. Like You can't let go of these tools. Like Suddenly, you don't need a fucking screwdriver, flathead screwdriver. Are you really going to throw that shit away? No, dog, because you never know. <laughs> You know that little fucking little javesita in the little corner of your dad's toolbox? You're like, I'll never need this. Are you going to throw it away? No man has ever thrown shit away in the toolboxes. You don't fucking know. Never know. Yeah. So why the fuck are you going to throw away these concepts? There's a, there's a matter of cohesion for all of them. They're all in the same toolbox, and the toolbox is you. So that's just, that's, I had to fucking bring this up. Like, I was talking about it. And I wish, obviously, I wish we didn't, weren't blitzkrieging it. But, but think about that concept to me. Mm. like the the isolation of success and leadership and these concepts that I for sure I, I remember talking about this and the loneliness I had no answers for myself and sometimes if you look back at our old episodes and then you go back 10 15 episodes after that it's like we're answering our own questions because these questions are life questions these are questions that you don't just wake up and stop asking yourself yeah and it's I I thought about it I'm like can I answer myself from three years ago and if I can't and I'm not growing. I'm not flying into the sun. I'm not challenging myself. Yeah. 
So if you're asking yourself questions right now that you don't think you'll have an answer to in four years, get your shit together. Because then the question isn't significant. If you're not asking this question weekly, daily, monthly, yearly, it wasn't a big deal. So you shouldn't really stress out about it. It was talking a, your bullshit. It's like the five minute rule or something like that. Mm-hmm. Or the five by five rule. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. And I always think about this and I, I don't know if I ever mentioned it on the podcast, but I used to think about this. Um my uncle was a graffiti artist. Did I ever talk about this? No. That's awesome. Um so my uncle was a graffiti artist and uh what he would do is he would sketch in a sketchbook and he would show me the art and then when he finished it on a wall he would take me and show me the wall. <coughs> and he did this piece. Man, I must have been 10 years old when he did it. And essentially it was these two ninjas. And in the center was one ninja punching the heart out of another ninja. And then basically expanding to the back was a reverb of like the fight stance and like them walking up. And it was just this like echo of what happened until that point. Right. And in his graffiti lettering he wrote problems are never solved they're just rearranged and i think a lot of times what we're doing with our concept and and kind of why we touch on the same subject is because all concepts are growth right your answer is always changing if you're really growing right and i think that you know like you say all the time five years ago your answer would have just been like but now it's like hold on what do you mean by that Right. <laughs> you want to talk about it? <laughs> yeah. And uh, realistically, one of the things that you said is, uh, you know, in terms of leadership and feeling lonely and being the chef, I also think about being the server, mm. right? Making sure the portions are even. When you're in a leadership role, you're always trying to make sure the portions are the same for everyone until you get to your own plate. Like a mom. And when you get to your own plate, it's whatever's left. And I think that that brings about this feeling of loneliness because you're like, man, everyone's fed but me. And this reminds me of that meme, which I posted. If you remember that uh, it's like teacher and student. Yeah. And he's given a With block. The blocks. Yeah. And the, the teacher has like 50 holes. Yeah, and I the think students that's so one. Cool. I think that's the greatest thing in the world. And um, you know, shout out to teachers and leaders and uh, real parents because having a kid makes you a parent, but doesn't make you a good father or mother. I can tell you that. Um, I think it's it's a it's work to be a good fucking person like that. And um, shout out to everybody that's doing a good fucking job on that because it is a lot of sacrifice, and it's like. You have to function with these holes in your body because what you're giving to somebody else matters so much more. Yeah. And that's a very alien perspective to our animal instinct primal sides, you know, because that's anti-self-preservation. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I talk often that I think our our primary source of survival is self-preservation. I am a big believer in animal instinct and primal concepts. But things like love and leadership are not animal things in that sense. You know, not to that extent. There are some animals that really will put themselves on the line. A lot of times it's for the genetic expansion of their of their of their genes, like their children. It's almost like a an instinct to let their but I don't know how far that goes into the sense of compassion and love and um patience and giving and selflessness i don't i don't doubt the animal kingdom i'm just expressing ourselves in the sense of human beings yeah to be a leader is not (laughs) primal not in the human perspective right and when you see that it's like there's something to be said about someone who is going to that limit and that level to watch somebody else succeed in any capacity and that's fascinating me man yeah, because I certainly didn't see myself doing that shit. <laughs> I mean, it's like uh, it's just and the antithesis of my perspective. And well, now it's like it's intertwined. You know, it is who I am. Was there ever a moment you were thrust into a leadership position where you were like, "I, I, 
I can't. No fucking way I can do this. I'll tell you this. Damn you for answering. <laughs> asking me that question. And I can't believe I chose this. I think about my nieces and nephews. So I have five nieces. Wait, wait. My brother has three. Yeah, five nieces. Don't get mad. Five nieces and a nephew. And I'll speak upon my sister's kids who I get to see a little bit more frequently. Like they're young adults now. Yeah. 23, you know, 24. It makes me want to throw up. They made it. (laughs) And now I'm having conversations with them that are no longer like, you know, colors and don't do drugs. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, okay, if you're going to drink this much, be careful, put a hand over your cup, you know, like, yeah, call me. And I, I've always been in my perspective, a certain leader, but most of the time I was just a cool uncle. Like I had tattoos, you know, I just smoke, I did drugs, fuck off, I'll fight you, (laughs) I'll beat your ass. And now, you know, I've been thrusted in this position where I don't know about thrusted, but certainly surprised by how fast it crept up on me Mm. that I'm having adult conversations with people I change their diapers. Like it's weird to me. And I can can only imagine, you know, 24 years, like I, and we're having discussions about life and relationships and emotions. And I find myself considering that when I do stupid things or, um, or I'm about to make a bad decision. I'm like, man, how am I going to explain this to my niece? Mm. You know, it's not like I don't think about home and my girlfriend and my mom and my friends. Don't get me wrong. But I watch this child who grow up, like literally. I never wanted that <laughs> because I don't like to question what I'm doing. Like when there's something bad on the horizon, I'm like, I'm going to eat it up. Yes. And I, I find myself in these scenarios where I don't want to do certain things or I kind of have to like rethink it because I'm preaching this advice to this young lady and this young boy. I've gotten really close to my nephew mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh, fuck, man. <laughs> like, I can't believe I'm here. Yeah. And I it, I get simultaneously mad because it's civilizing that primal animal in me, but also become simultaneously grateful that somebody gives a fuck enough about me to listen. That's crazy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's crazy to me. Even from, it never goes away. Like, when somebody says to our podcast, oh, your podcast really helped me. I'm like, first of all, stop, because I'm going to cry. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't, I, we don't take, we don't take that well. Like, I don't know. Thank you. Keep, keep it doing it, because it gives me purpose. But, I, you know, so. Thanks that's, for the listen. Say nothing else. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like the, like the comments and stuff, but fuck off. And uh, that's, that's been a, a personal, I don't know if I say hurdle, but. It's been an obstacle for me because I just, it, bro, it came at me. I mean, I was just talking about it not too recently. I'm like, man, these are young adults. And we're having real life conversations. Being influenced by yeah, the Yeah, and that there's, there's going to be a, something to be said if I end up in a ditch drunk and on drugs and I'll being a piece of shit. Like now it matters on, on many levels. I'm not saying it just took them, but yeah. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> you know, like you told me you would. Yeah, you told me not to do this. Yeah, motherfucker. And they they have like they're articulate and they you know they have their lives and their questions yeah. are like heavy and they're like, hey man, your words matter. I'm like, oh, you son of a bitch. You know, like you sound like me. Mm. And I see things in them that are you know genetically, for sure, have been handed down from the De La Pava gene. <laughs> but I see their personality traits and I'm like, oh, damn it, this is why I don't have kids. <laughs> like. Yeah. And uh, yeah, man, to answer your question, that's been a a big thing. And I see also in, in Opti lifters that uh, remind myself of myself. You know, I remember I used to do a lot of things West did. Um, but yeah, that's been a fucking new roller coaster to me. Uh, my sister might hear this, but damn it. You know, like, damn you. <laughs> damn you. Damn you. Yeah, I, I definitely. Uh, I, I feel like I'm wearing so many hats now. In terms of like leadership roles from being a father and, and obviously, you know, my duties with the villains and mm. being a leader at work. I'm like the the new I'm the next generation of the yeah. big guys. Yeah. And uh, I'm realizing more and more that there's more eyes on me than ever before. And it's almost like it feels damning almost like every move is kind of under surveillance 
And I miss like being able to kind of walk in the shadows and just it's nothing like being the Wolverine. <laughs> Seriously, I uh, yeah, I and think it, about that. And and now I'll, I'll I'll premise that I guess was a question. I suppose it's like why why do we keep walking this path? You know, it's it's so much easier. To just say, hey, man, like, I don't want to be here anymore. Yeah. Like, hey, you can find another fucking lieutenant. Sorry, you can, you know. I mean, obviously, you're not going to walk away from your family, but there's, I it, mean, com- it compounds. Yeah, Some well, people do. Yeah, do, yeah, you're right, Believe dog. it or not, dog. I mean, that, I, I don't think, like, for us. No, for us, no, but it happens, dude. And, and honestly, shit. dude, I'm like, as I get older, I'm like, okay, I can conceptualize why you would do that. I'm not condoning it, but think about it. How much, how, why do we do this? Like, why does someone, you know, father, mother, whatever, continue to walk that fucking path? And I will always answer that that is fucking purpose. Mm. And I believe purpose provides a lot more of a conceptualization of the meaning of life than anything else. Because purpose is, is so driven. It's such a strong word, but it's also such a strong momentum. Mm. Mm. and you know there's nothing like i said like leadership parenthood you know when you're somebody's really good confidant and it's a sunday afternoon and you're having a good time with your family and your confidant drops a fucking bomb on your lap and you're like motherfucker i was about to take my pants off and have a good time and you fucking dropped this bomb on me dog yeah and you're like why do i do this because the purpose of your relationship with this person and life so strong yeah and i guess that's where we kind of relate ourselves to animals like i said about the wolves like their purpose is to express their genetic code over time and expand for us purpose is so expansive as a human being yeah and it's so much like dude like it's so much easier i promise man I just talked about this all the time. I'm like, it's so much easier for us to just disappear, dog. Oh, man. Get rico to buy a property in the middle of Central Florida. I'm like, fuck off. I just do online training. Yeah. Pay $500 a month. Suck my dick, dude. I'll be the coolest guy in the bar that has six people yeah. with a veteran that's in a wheelchair because there's always one of those in Central Florida, oh, bro. Yeah. That is fucking cool. And I always make friends with him. I'm like, you lost that shit in Nam? And he's like, yeah. I'm like, I was there, dog. <laughs> and they laugh and we have a fucking PBR and we have a good time. And... And I believe that that easy doesn't have as much purpose. Maybe we're just not built for the easy road. No, I don't think so. I don't think anyone that listens to this podcast and takes it significantly uh, can relate to that. You know, we there's uh, in the sense of taking the easy path. And I and I think that that was like something that I wanted to touch base on heavily. Yeah. And it it's it 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 sits heavy on me as you know as a leader, but it also sits heavy on me as a person and as a as a as a as a family member, as a lover, as a teammate, that there's never going to you're never going to quell the beast that wants to just salt the earth. Some of us, and I don't mean all of us, some of us were born with this particular trait or monster, right? Upbringing is very important, but there's also, uh, and I hate it because people will, people will fucking quote Jordan Peterson. Oh man, you know, like you can't be a good person unless you know the monster inside of you. And then that monster inside of somebody bites you, and they're like, "Oh, how could that?" I'm like, "Fuck you, fuck you," because you you just quoted that motherfucker, and you think we don't live with this all the time. It could be man, woman, small. It doesn't matter. And I was just talking about this recently. I said. And it was the hardest thing for me to say is like, it's not that I don't identify the monster. It's that I don't want it to go away. <laughs> and, you know, that makes wow. you sound like a tyrant. Yeah. You know, it's like, and they're like, why? I'm like, dude, I wouldn't say like I grew up in this fucking tremendo shit show. Yeah. yeah. But <laughs> like I, me. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. I go, but there was perspectives in my soul that just won't change. Hardships and loss and 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 rage and 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 you know lack of of perspective and low self esteem and lack of courage and swallowing fear and never doing anything about it and picking harder paths because you knew that I purposely put chips on my shoulder 
like so many of you, whether it's sport or choice or profession or family or lover, that puts something on your shoulder to fucking make you angry. And you have this monster on your fucking shoulder and it whispers and you have to either starve it or you have to feed it. But you never let that to me purposefully in my, my perspective. I don't want to let that go because that monster, that beast that whispers has quintessentially made me the best person I could be with what I was born to give. And that feeling can be very lonely because you think sometimes you're the only one. You're like, nobody can be as fucking crazy as me or nobody can feel this way. It's like, it's not that you're lonely. It's that you're not seeing past this fucking voice. And that was my biggest thing as an athlete, as a, as a man, as a person. It's like, there's nobody that can be as fucked up as this. Yeah. You know, like, this is, can't be true. Yeah. And over the years, I decided to be like identifying these shortcomings and, and, and singing and dancing and, and talking with this particular beast. That's probably made me so much better than me trying to put a bandit over my shortcomings. And this circles back around to what you think, Michael, makes you a better leader. It's because I sit with the piece of shit that I am all the time. They're like, how often? Every fucking day. Yeah. It, don't be fooled. But I'd rather sit with that monster every day than decide to ignore and decide to lie to you and be like, oh, I'm this great girl, fucking person. Yeah, right. And I think that that, that matters, right? Because it's an let's say this perspective uh, a sport. I'm inherently lazy. <laughs> I would rather take an easy trip to the top, bro. Yeah, that's why drugs are awesome. That's why alcohol is great. <laughs> that's why I love whiskey. You know why? Because it makes me feel happy faster than anything else. Inherently in my soul, I'm this like destructive beast. Like, the, you ever talk to look at a shark or a lion? You think they really want to fucking go down 40 miles? No, they want to kill that shit right now and eat and chill. That's the primal side. But identifying that, identifying what I can be, and what might be deep inside has given me the greatest purpose ever. Because I always tell people, I'm like, I would rather with all my heart, when they're like, oh, Mike, you're like a mentor. I'm like, first of all, shut your mouth. (laughs) Like, thank you, but that's not a good idea. (laughs) But second of all, the whole purpose of this is that you never become me in any capacity by that you are better than me. Mm. And Wes taught me that. Wes told me, I'd be like, man, Wes, one day I want to fight because like, now, nah, Mikey, you should be better than me. That stuck with me. Yeah. Because I'm like, this guy, bro, 6'2", jacked, fucking NFL football player. I'm like, dude, you are the pinnacle, homie. Yeah. He's like, nah, Mikey. He's like, I got my shit. I got my fears. You got to be better. And that stuck with me. Yeah. The will to win. And when I talk about this stuff, and, and I, it always sounds like misconstrued, right? Because not <laughs> wanting to that monster to go away, it's like, I don't want to. Like, it gives me perspective. And I don't think you should be out there, you know, talking shit if you can't sit with that beast. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think mentorship... Um I think some of the best mentors are the ones that have really made the bad decisions. One of my greatest mentors ever is my father. His his streak for bad decisions <laughs> yeah. is wow, it's fucking incredible. Yeah, it's great. But you know, like you mentor me in a lot of ways too. And and again, one of the things that you say all the time is, you know, just because I've done it this way doesn't mean it's the right way for you. Right. Um, and I think we all need that. But how? How do, outside of you, because you've done a good job at identifying this, how do we identify it? How are we, how do we make it easier for us to sit down and discover this part about ourselves? There's a lot of people who listen to this that are like, but how? Good question. And I think we talked about this at the beginning of the show. It's like, great question, by the way. Like, What are the action items, right? What, yes. what are the, the processes, at least psychologically and physically, to do that. First of all, I've learned something really great about this mentorship that I've been is documentation and data. Right? So when I say I'm going to be a better person and you ask me how and I say, oh, I'm just going to try. There's something to be said about quantitative concepts. 
when it comes to psychology and emotions and things that are relatively subjective, it's hard to put that on paper. Right. Not everybody can paint a picture or write a song, or, you know, or get a really great tattoo. But I think it's important to have discussions with yourself and with your training and with your loved ones that have value. Yeah. And things that make you uncomfortable. Because if we're willing to lift weights that are uncomfortable and hurt us, but we lack the courage to express ourselves verbally with the same you know, uncomfortability, then are we really balanced? Are we really the warriors we say we want to be? Because it's really easy to lift up 600 pounds in comparison to telling somebody, hey, man, <laughs> right? Nothing's like how easy is it to train but to not to talk to somebody you care about and be like, I'm not in a good place? Or what's the purpose of this? Or what am I here for? And I think the action items, first of all, comes through articulation of honesty with the self. Whether you write it, you know, express it, uh, you know, be different, you know, post it, write music. You know, some people are very gifted. And I, I can't express this enough. The honesty to self is number one. Mm-hmm. And then the honesty to purpose is number two. What is, what, identify your purpose. Why are you doing this? Yeah. And I think it's okay to say, hey, man, I'm doing it to impress my friend. <laughs> I'm doing it to express my dad. Like, that's cool. So, easier you do that psychologically the better your purpose will be and then of course you know physically and stuff like that comes very easily after that i believe that physical attributes and physical performance is a lot easier when we can identify openly at least to an extent as why we're doing what we're doing and i tell people that all the time it's like and i tell the people at the gym oh man hey you know i just want to like make us proud i go i'm already proud yeah. Now what? Oh fuck. <laughs> yeah. What's your answer? Which means you did you give it enough depth? Why don't you make yourself proud? Also. Which is the hardest thing. Right? How do you how do you do that? And that comes with being honest, identifying your whys, identifying your hows, understanding that the, the climb to the top is not as lonely as you think it is. That there are people who are going to cheer you on the way up, and there's always going to be somebody who's going to catch you on the way down. Yeah. You just got to give them a chance. You got to give them a chance. And I had this discussion a long, man, long time ago. <laughs> I don't remember. Maybe early 20s. As when you were the partner, and you withhold your shortcomings because you're so scared that they're not going to love you. Like, I cannot tell you my deepest, darkest rage because I'm pretty sure that you cannot handle this. And they said, how would you know if you never gave him a chance to fight for you? And I was like, well, shit. (laughs) And I believe that that correlates to many, many things in life. How would you know if you never gave that person or yourself the fight, the chance to fight. And this this concept of the absence of that question leads to isolation. And most of it's compounded with us, me primarily for sure, with the fear of rejection, the fear of failure. I'm going to fail this person. I'm going to distance this person. When they see the monster that I am, they're not going to love that. Yeah. How would I know? I've never gave that person the chance. You never gave that training protocol a chance. You never gave that effort a chance. You never gave your your partner a chance. You never even expressed yourself. And you live with that concept, and it becomes a fucking weight. And it sits on you. And then, you you know, not all of us can ask for more weight. (laughs) And I promise you, it sounds a lot easier to just ignore it. You know, obviously, I have ignored so many things in my life. But it only gets heavier. Because as you get older, you think your joints hurt, test your heart. You think weight matters? (laughs) Dude, everything matters when you get older. And what are you going to do? You're going to deny it? 
You know why? Because <laughs> you know what the worst part about getting older is that your eyes forget to lie. <laughs> wow. And I fucking God, I don't know when I became this way. You asshole. I know, dog. Why would you do this to us? I don't know. I don't know why I said that in, on, on a fucking recorded podcast because now I'm fucked. But it's true. Yeah. You just, they stop giving a fuck. For two reasons. They're not confused anymore. And maybe you just don't care as much anymore. And and I, you, it's not that you care, you don't care about the person. You just don't care about living a lie anymore. Yeah. And that simultaneously gives us the biggest loves of our life and the biggest trouble ever. <laughs> Yeah, but you know, and I'll and I'll and I'll say this consistently. Why this correlates to everything that we do, and why this correlates to strength training and everything like that, and I love to tie it in, obviously, because we are relatively, always, fundamentally a strength podcast, right? Which is why we so chose strength and not like biomechanics and <laughs> shit like that, because that's fucking. Fucking nerds. Yeah, goddamn you know? nerds. Stupid nerds. But, and and it's very important. You know, it's funny. first of all, for being episode Blitzkrieg, I feel like we killed it. <laughs> all right, I'm, I hate to pat myself on the back. This typically happens after hours. On the same episode, hours. Yeah, we usually do it after. Yeah, right? we do Here it we after are. the mic's up. But, <laughs> um, I, I, I've been, um, I don't want to say dealing, but I've been perplexed by a lot of things that have been happening in my life on a personal, emotional level. And this ties it to what I was going to say at the beginning. Um, I never changed the date of Miami's baddest because on April 8th, as you guys know, I lost my best friend. And that sucks because ugh, obviously it never becomes less emotional. But I was asked recently, like, why are you flying so close into the sun? Like, why are you going to take a break after Miami's baddest? I go, that's funny you say that. I flew into that date, and I fly into dates in my life, you know, personal ones. This is just one that I talk about publicly. Because I don't want to get there feeling unaccomplished. I don't want to get there not showing an ace in my cards. I don't want to get to somewhere in my life that has meaning but not having the singe of the sun. And my skin is browner because I've been training in the sun. And I'm tired because I've been flying closer. And I'm emotionally weak and spent and thinned out because I have spread myself out for myself and others and people that matter to a point where I'm exhausted. And I don't want to get to the finish line without feeling utterly and obsessively spent. I can't train. I have no competitions right now. I love the Highland Games, and I will continue to train for it. And maybe one day, like I said, that will have more meaning than life itself. But life is my biggest competition. Life, purpose, my friends, my family, myself. Like, this is my canvas. This is my ability to push forward like so many of you that have chosen life above anything else. And that sometimes we get the, the, the idea of sport confused <laughs> as it being our only avenue of expression. Then you get older and you get smart and you realize that life is the best canvas. And I think, how am I going to get to this date? How am I going to get to this sunrise by being absolutely and utterly spent. And I'm going to fly into this sun as hard as I can. My bones hurt. My arm hurts. I got a sweet new scar. My emotions are spread thin. I've picked up projects, you know, financially, emotionally. I've been through shit. And this is the way you have to live life, man. I am opinionated. I'm going to polarize you and tell you that if you're not picking something in your moment, if you're not picking emotional Pinnacles, mountaintops, consistently, whether it's sport or business or family, you are failing at the climb. You've been gifted the opportunity to absolutely erupt your body with fucking effort. 
and you're going to pussy out. Bro, I wish, I wish I wasn't this way. <laughs> I, like, it would be, I would, I can guarantee you there is a fucking line of people that would tell you, Jesus, I wish Mike wasn't that way. But it's not to be so. Because it's said at the beginning. There's not even a tragedy when you really reach for something you want. Because reaching is more important than touching the sun. That I would rather have a story of Icarus burning on the flight than him landing on the sun. And that should that should speak volumes to you. Because I promise you, you will tell more war stories of your training, of your injuries, of your diet, of your loneliness, of your aspect, than any number or trophies you have ever hit. You know why? Because I've been in this game for a long time, son. And I know people that have been in the game for three times as long, and they say the same shit. They're like, it's the fucking process. It's a journey, Michael. Trust me. And I used to call them fucking pussies. But you're just being old. It's not that they told me to be coward or to let go. It's just accept that process as hard as you can. Yeah. And in this concept, in getting into this day, when I get to April 8th and I get to my own feelings, I will feel utterly and drastically alone. But only for a while. And I'm okay with that because I know that my why is not defined by one moment. I know that the how to get there has felt isolating and hard and distant. But if I'm doing it for someone else, I'm not that lonely, whether they're here or not. And that's what matters the most. That we have lived our lives and continue to live our lives not only in the servitude of others, but in the respect of others. Even when we fuck up, even we are sacks of shit because uh, a big percentage of you motherfuckers are not the best people, <laughs> trust me. Uh, it's starting from me. That's a we that's a we it's statement. A thing, that's a we statement. But living in that life and living in that perspective and understanding that life is for those who are willing to touch the sun but burn on the way up is fucking everything. This is MDLP saying don't be a pussy. Everything ends.